Welcome one and all. Welcome large and small. This is the fourth episode of the Lost Remote Podcast. Today we're driving into the woods to cover the Evil Dead. I am Zach Grossman. I'm Brian DeFever. I am Arthur. With no last name, Arthur. <laughs> so, guys, today we're going to talk about the Evil Dead. Um, this movie came out in 1981. It's the uh, first attempt at this by Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. Um, so, a quick synopsis of the movie. We open up with uh, five friends. Uh, Ash, William, Cheryl, Scott, Linda, and Shelly on a road trip going to a remote cabin in Tennessee that they got on the cheap for just a short little vacation. Um, they're there pretty quick and some weird stuff starts happening. Uh, Cheryl hears voices talking to her and uh, telling her to join them. Um, she's sitting at a table drawing and then she draws, just rips through her paper drawing a book with a face on it. <clears throat> then uh, we have some mysterious stuff happen. They're eating dinner and the cellar bust open. They go down and find the book that Cheryl drew which we find out to be the Necronomicon. And they find a recording of a professor that was previously in the cabin. Mm, I guess he was uh, translating the book. And once they start playing the recording, all fun breaks loose. Cheryl's lured into the woods from more of the join us calls. She's assaulted by a tree, runs back to the cabin, get, tries to get Ash to drive her to town. He goes, they find out a rickety bridge that they drove across is out. And they drive back to the cabin. And then this is where, you know, business picks up. Cheryl turns into a zombie. She stabs Linda with a pencil, which is a, a mortal injury. Stabbed to the Achilles. Um, Linda turns into a zombie. And then zombies come for uh, the, the evil dead. Spirits come for Shelly. They attack Scott. He tries to leave. Gets assaulted by a tree. He comes back in a zombie. And then our hero, Ash, is there to fight them all off. At the very end. Uh, guys, what did you think when you watched this movie this week? Go for it, Arthur. So, <clears throat> it's always interesting to go back to Evil Dead for me. Because I prefer... and I talked about this with a buddy of mine when we were talking about Friday the 13th stuff. A lot of times if I have a, a choice between the serious iteration of something and the one that's more fun, I usually take the one that's more fun, uh, like uh, Evil Dead 2 or really Army of Darkness. But um, it's fun to go back to the original here. And I think the thing that stood out to me this time is just how much of an assault on the senses it becomes at times. Um, I, I kind of made a note, you know, like the Sam Raimi style is keep the shot on too long and make sure the, you know, the screams are too loud. And, you know, my sound system and stuff, it was just the pumped up, like continual wailing and things like that. I mean, it's just, it's an, it's an unsettling assault that does a really good job of putting you into the shoes and you know, you kept saying Ash, but it's really Ashley in this one. I mean, he's, there's a little bit of Ash there, but to me, this guy is Ashley. And when we see evil dead Two, that's Ash. Um, I, I think there's kind of a split between the, uh, the funny cocky hail to the King versus the, you know, sweet romantic cabin in the woods guy. So 
I, you know, it it stand it stood out to me how good it looks still. Um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that doesn't go away, and just how competent. You know, you always think about the competence of first efforts and things like that. Um, you know, just how start to finish, it's it's a very well paced, uh, well thought out, well developed, uh, full on, um, just torture marathon for Ashley, I would say. So, Brian? Yeah, I have to agree on pretty much all that. I, what really sticks out is the, like Arthur said, the assault on the senses. And for me, the particular assault on the senses was more of a, uh, what what stuck out was the taunting of the laughter. Whenever they'd laugh, it was meant to taunt and to shake you. And uh, yeah, that that's that's what stuck with me on a lot of that was the the, the noise. Uh, I uh, I I'm iffy on the movie. It, like I like it's. A classic, so you, you can't argue with that. And it it brought us the subsequent films, but I'm it's not a huge fan of us. watching it. I'm not. I'm, eh. <laughs> yeah, if I would, I, I'd be like, yeah, you you watch it. I'll watch it. Right, Zach. Well, I go a different way, guys. I really love this movie. It's so much fun and. I, I see that this is not the ash that comes to be and uh you know a lot of people they you know the signatures of ash are the double barrel boomstick and the the chainsaw hand and you don't see that in this movie you get teased with the chainsaw especially if you've seen the later movies you know that it's a big tease but he doesn't actually use it he fires it up he shuts it off and then he you know just buries Linda instead of chopping her up like he does in the later version, you know, the, the remake of Evil Dead 2. But this is still a fun movie to me to see what they accomplished with the limited budget and not having a major studio behind it. I mean, Renaissance had it, but, um, you know, it it's in that sweet spot of runtime for us that we always talk about. The 80s movies have that, you know, them 80 to 90 minutes, and it's, it's great. It flows. Uh, there's just a lot of things about it I really like. I like how it is different from the others, but I can I do appreciate the spin that they took on it with Evil Dead 2, which, I mean, let's be honest, Evil Dead 2 is not a sequel. It's a remake. And, I mean, there's reasons behind it and that it's a remake. Like, a, the big one is Sam Raimi didn't own this this film. He didn't have rights to it. So when they did Evil Dead 2, that's why the first act is a is a quick sped up version of this movie. But we'll go back to this one. Like I forget about the tree assaulting her in the, in the woods when she's trying to leave. And yeah, it's I forget it until it starts happening. And then that just that vivid imagery of her, of Cheryl being attacked. It just, it's, it's really great. It's to me, it was unique. It was the first time I saw anything like that. I mean, did you guys see it anywhere? What was what was the question again? What did we see? What anywhere? Did did you see anything like the trees assault? Like like when she was assaulted by the trees? Did you have y'all seen that in anything else quite like this? Mm. It's it certainly is on an upper level pantheon of uncom of discomfort. I would say, uh, I, I there are other things I think that approach this, 
but not in the movies I typically search out. I think it's on like when you start to get, I'm not associating this with a trash tier, but there are some trash tier horror movies that that's what they push. Um, Brian, I don't know if there's anything you, you can recall that approaches a level of the uh, there's, tree scene. There's a movie I can't recall the name of, uh, but it has the it has Doctor Grant in it from Jurassic Park, and he walks in on a lady being, um, you know, uh, she's she's in she's in she's in the middle of some form of intercourse with a tentacle esque monster, and it probably predates this movie. Is it one of the omens? I don't think it's an omen. It might have so, been into the mouth of madness. It might have been. It. I, it I, I'm not sure. Like it may have been a. Uh, a Lovecraft movie, something pulling off the Lovecraft ethos or uh, pantheon. Okay. So let me let me jump on something you said there, Zach. Because to me, Ash per se isn't as much of the boomstick and the uh, gun as it is the attitude and the confidence. Uh, I'm curious what Ash is. What what do you think is the defining part of Ash, Brian? Well, as we know him from. Evil Dead 2 and uh, Army of Darkness, he begins... He he never stops feeling the dread occasionally of what's going on. He, he, he reacts to it. He'll scream. You know, but it's not a terrible, fearful scream. It's more of a... This is maddening scream. Yeah. Uh, it's... He, he kind of will get startled a bit at the beginning of a certain situation. In the immediate beginning of the situation, then he starts rolling with the punches and comes out on top. Uh, that's about that's what I feel about with Ash. He it, he gains a lot of confidence throughout Evil Dead Two and Three with his ability to deal with the forces of darkness because he keeps coming out on top. And Zach, you were probably calling out the characteristics. What what's Ash to you? Well, what I was meaning on that is that you don't see the weapons that become synonymous right. with them. And, and and it's not just in Evil Dead 2 and an Army of Darkness, but it also goes into Ash versus the Evil Dead, the Star series that was yeah. out a few years ago. He, uh, But yeah, I agree with Brian. He, he reacts to situations, and as the character evolves out of this, from this movie, but in this one, he's... He, I mean, he even reacts to him in this one, and you see mm -hmm. actually a big change where he does have that sheer panic that he doesn't have any time later in the series. Whenever uh, Scott is fighting his girlfriend, which um, it's, it's in, in, <laughs> uh, hold on a second. Hey, Brian. So I'm going to ask this question to Zach, but I'm going to ask it to you first. All right. Do you notice a part in this movie an evil dead one where he goes, do you? Where do you see that first sign of not Ashley but Ash? Because obvious, there there are some. I think some 
glimmers of what is going to change. And Bruce is eventually uh, I, Bruce. I know, I know exactly what you're asking for. And my, my personal opinion on this is he's shot some, he shot one of them. I believe he shot, I don't, I don't recall who he shot. It was probably his, I believe his sister, Cheryl's sister. Yes. From from inside to outside, and he's leaning against the door, and the moment uh, the glimmer of the ash we know from the other two movies, uh, that, when, it, that, that, when that pops out to me, when it starts to show that that's coming out, yeah. is when he immediately realizes he needs more shells. <laughs> he says I, shells, and then goes for the shells. Yeah. That, for was me, that was the beginning of ash to me. For me, it's when he's burying Linda. Mm. There's this look on his face as like, the light kind of goes across it and he has like a far more stoic face. Like there's this sweet Ashley Williams in the cabin that doesn't know how to deal with things. And when he's first dealing with the burying her, I think the ash shows up in his face, the Bruce Campbell ash, the more iconic look that to me, that was the first, like there he is. That's, that's the guy I'm used to. So Zach, the question is, yeah, I, what I heard. Of, uh, okay. So um, what I was talking about earlier, it was the panic when Scott was fighting Shelly and then Ash just stood in the corner, which later on in the film in the the sequels and then the series, he wouldn't have done that. He would have been right there taking the, you know, the zombie Shelly out. Um, So actually where Ash comes through to me is in some of the close-ups of just his face, whenever he's making the, uh, you know, they do the, and he lifts the eyes and he's looking back and forth and he does that in every evil dead where they, some noise happens and he they pan up to a close up to him and he makes those faces and it that to me brings out the ash because he he has kind of the look of fear but kind of the look of you know I'm ready so I, I don't know that's yeah he's alert yeah and that's that's him in every every other one you know so so in this movie uh you know it's defining characteristics i think are obviously it's in an upper level of low budget productions. Um, it's known for its effects, known for how it was shot. Um, what is your, like one of your favorite effect shots on here, or favorite one or two things that stood out to you? Uh, Zach first. Um, I actually really like whenever uh, Linda comes out and she's possessed and the way that her, I mean, she looks like she's about to go audition for the Joker movie and compete with Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix. I mean, just the smile on her face. But I love the the effects of the zombies, and I love that they actually kept that going throughout all the series. And the yeah, and I just I really like that possession look and ah, the floating uh, wind machine kind of hovering over, like arched up. Yeah, arms up. Yeah. I mean, Brian, I just, what do you think? I like at the end of the movie when they started to melt because he threw the book into the fire. Yes. And it was yeah. stop motion, a lot of that. There was a little glitch in the lining up of the practical effect and the stop motion effect on one of the shots, but who, yeah, we're not here. Yeah. But yeah, I like that. That's what I like. I was like, oh, you can see. Yeah, that's neat looking. I liked it. They were melting-esque burning, but no flames. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also, Brian, I really like the stop motion in this, too. And I just think of how meticulous that they were filming this on such a low budget just to get all those little stop motions. 
to line up every shot and take it. I thought that was really well executed. So I think Ryan moderately took mine. So I'll go to the uh, <laughs> something I definitely wanted to call out, which was the pencil in the Achilles. Oh, Just God. how aggressively brutal that is. And that's where you see some of that. Most movies, most directors, most times you get that. Maybe it's there for a second, you you know, maybe like a half, just like a, oh, you know, and then you go to the reaction. Not Sam and not through his career. You're going to get it. It's going to gush. You're going to move it around. <laughs> it's going to get jabbed in there some more all while you're on it. And it's just it's just one of those trademark hallmark things of his uh, that just always gets you to where. It goes from being something where you you either react, whether it be like, ah, or laughing or whatever. You're just like, ah, why? <laughs> that hurts, you know? And I think he pulls that off so many times, even in this. There's just so many. You just, I think his style is slam it in and break it off. I don't know. <laughs> it just, uh, that pencil scene really got me. <laughs> so guys let me ask you this what was the most satisfying kill for you in this movie Brian none of the kills really stuck out to me it, I, nothing I gotta, I gotta be honest nothing was super crazy to me it, everything was pretty much on par with each other nothing <laughs> broke out ahead Wait. of the pack so there wasn't any kill, any deaths, or anything that made you happier than the than oh, another happy? one. Well, there were no theater talkers in here. Yeah, it was pretty great. I, it's <laughs> it, what's interesting is it's it is it's an interesting question that we, I mean every time we pose the question about favorite kill or you know something like that in Evil Dead it's hard to pin one down because they keep coming back. Yeah. What counts as the kill? You know, like <laughs> Brian did discuss the melting. The melting's awesome. Is that yeah. the only kill, <laughs> or is no, so, the so transformation the, the, the kill? Okay, okay. hey, hey, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to point the on first something or here. second death. Hold on, hold on. I got, I got, I got to say this. There is something I like in the movie that really stuck out was the fake out with the dagger. They tease that that dagger is the key to killing them. Nope. Yep. It just makes them spit out milk. So, and honestly, that if if you watch the whole thing, you know, from Evil Dead through Ash vs. Evil Dead, that dagger actually comes back into play later on. And it, but it, yeah, I like that they did tease that. There's like, oh, this dagger's going to take her out, and no. yeah, it does not. Spew milk. I, you know, I. I don't have a lot of times movies. They have a scene where the person is oft and that stands out. I honestly didn't register something that I would say on this either, other than the, the book melt. I, you know, I just love that effect so much. Uh, I don't want to spend 10 minutes talking about the same one shot effect thing, but that, that to me was my favorite book in the thing. Everything dissolves. It's a fun way to get, you know, burning books, figure solving your problems. It's hopefully not a metaphor there. Uh, what about you, Zach? My favorite was a most satisfying death in this was the first time Scott died because he's such a dick in this so, movie that I was happy that he met his because he was 
acting like a dick. Yeah, speaking of Scott being a dick, at the beginning when they're driving the car and they honk and people wave, why did he feel it was necessary to let him know that they weren't, you know, like it wasn't for them and don't wave? Like, he sucks. Why would Ashley be such a... Why, like... (laughs) Why is Ashley friends with him? The thing where it's like, oh, this looks like your old girlfriend. And he's like, <laughs> I hate you, Scott. You know, uh, yeah, Scott's not good. And then also in the basement, hey, you carry all the other stuff. I'm going to get this projector. Well, it, well the the recorder, uh, he, uh, yeah, that's sensitive stuff. It, he made the right call. <laughs> well, actually, he made the wrong call. He should have just left it alone. Well, <laughs> they would all walk out. Recorder. Talking about the recorder real quick, Ash hits play on it, right? And then it gets interrupted for a second, and he's like, well, let's hear it more. And then Ash gets on to him for it getting played more. Like, you started it, buddy. Like, it was a little bit of deflecting, I think, some blame on it. I don't know. Well, I I think that he was entering into that kind of protective mode of his sister, because when he first started playing it, you know, they didn't know what it was. And then she reacted to it. And they shut it, you know, she, Cheryl reaches over and shuts it off and Ashley leaves it off for, and Scott reaches over to turn it on or actually fast forwards and then he turns it back on. And I, th- that think that's what made Ash upset. That is not a lick of sense. It's like, why, why'd you fast forward? Yeah. You got to get to the part that will doom us all. Well, they uh, just it. <laughs> for me, the best stuff of this movie is, you know, you always talk about, um, Sometimes a lower budget or constraints breed creativity. I really like the introduction of, I don't know if it has another term, but just the Rami cam, you know, the floating angry camera, uh, you know, this, this monster on, I don't know if it's a motorcycle or what they use like to move it around. But are there any kind of like shot approaches or cinematography things that, you know, you take out of this movie. Cause I think, I think Rami just, he just has such a immediate established style here that it, it's really cool to see it and then see where it gets applied later. Like in the surgical room in Spider-Man two, you know, which is an yeah. evil dead scene essentially. No, I agree that, that roaming camera POV of the monster or spirit is pretty excellent and pretty iconic for the Evil Dead series. I don't know if it shows up much in the actual episodic series. I don't recall. But here and there, not a whole bunch. Definitely in the pilot, you know, the one where Sam did direct, I think it's got some of it, but I yeah, I can't recall it in the other episodes as much. Um, I need to finish that. Blech. So one of the shot, or not one of the shots, I've, I've noticed this and it really rang out in this movie that Sam does a good job of with the angle of his shot, letting you know what the scene is, kind of how you should feel on the scene. You know, mm-hmm. whenever you have the straight shot where you're looking in everybody's heads and it's it's pretty level, you know that this is kind of a relax and we're going to build up. But every suspenseful shot in this is the camera's either angled up or angled down. And I really enjoy that. So it kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat. So you don't get to see necessarily what's directly behind somebody or next to somebody, but you get to see just their head and the angle that he shoots a lot of things. I thought was really well done. Well, with that, just 
tacking onto that is the my my particular favorite scene, just because I liked how it, it what kind of message it was springing on you, is the point of view of monster possessed Cheryl from being locked under the mm-hmm. in in the cellar, and it was pretty extended shot. Like Arthur said, like he holds on that stuff for a great yeah. while. And it just tells you they are having this conversation while being unnerved by their possessed friend. And then, and she's even commenting, uh, the girlfriend of uh, the jerk. Look at her eyes. Look at her eyes. What happened to her? What, you know, it's great. While they're all, be- they're able to look at her and she's under there and you can see her hand. It's just, it's great. I like that scene a lot. Yeah, the the evil that doesn't try to hide is an interesting approach. Mm-hmm. You know, just sitting there in the corner being like, still here, still going to eat you type of thing. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get not usually done like that. Yeah. The one thing that was kind of weird to me that whenever they're going through this, right? So when Shelly train, uh, you know, when Cheryl gets possessed, they throw her in the basement when Shelly changes, they go to fight and try to kill her. When Linda changes, they leave her wherever the hell she's at and just let her sit there and sing song on them. And I thought that's, I think that's hilarious. It's like, why would she, you know, she's possessed. You've seen what it did to your sister. You saw what it did to Shelly. Why are you just cool with her just sitting on the floor and being creepy? Zach, it's just a rash. That's, <laughs> at some point, it's got to feel like a losing proposition, and you might not be able to fight it anymore. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, oh, go ahead. A, another shot I really liked with this, it's whenever you first see Cheryl become possessed when she's guessing the, the playing cards. Whenever I see this, and I'm going to tie this back to my favorite movie, it reminds me of... Uh, Venkman at the beginning of Ghostbusters when they're, yes. the, <laughs> when they're in there and the one girl that he's trying to hook up with gets the everyone wrong. He's like, you're not seeing these. I just think that's that's fantastic. I love that kind of stuff in any movie. It, it just and cracks me up. guy is getting them right. Or yes. really close. <laughs> uh, he's guessing his and hers. Yeah. <laughs> like ones that the, have come uh, up, ones that are going to come up. Yeah, yeah he's 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 got it down, um, but he didn't know there was going to be shocks. Uh, I also like the the little touches, like the moon where it has like the liquid black pouring into it. Uh, every time they kind of show the cabin establishing shot, you just see like a black viscous liquid covering the moon. Ah, man, there's so many cool like set the scene type of things uh, that he does. So obviously uh, this is one of those good, maybe someone's going to, curl up to you it's got some good jumps uh kind of frightening movie what's what's your double feature with evil dead uh zach well i would actually go into the woods again and i i really enjoy watching this and then i'd probably team it up with cabin in the woods because i i enjoy cabin in the woods and it also has the uh otherworldly um gods at play i guess because you know everybody's seen it, you know what Cabin in the Woods is about. So that's what I double feature it with. It is fun to see kind of a bookend of like one that kicks off the a big <laughs> bit of a genre with it, and maybe there's something before it that I don't know of or whatever. But it it's a very notable Cabin in the Woods bad experience, and then one with with the puppet makers or you know the puppeteers that play there. Uh, that's a really good call. What about you, Brian? 
Oh, rough for me. I think I might cheap out and say, hey, you should watch this one and then watch Evil Dead 2. Really? Yeah. I, just because I prefer Evil Dead 2. Well, I mean, they had so much to... fun killing Linda, they brought her back to do it again. Yeah. And it's fun to have that conversation of which one is for you. Mm-hmm. you know, which, <clears throat> what kind of person are you? Are you an Evil Dead or are you an Evil Dead 2? Uh, for me, I'm going to jump just forward in Sam's uh, discography there or something and go to Drag Me to Hell. Oh. Uh, because I see it getting a little more love lately. I feel like it was one that the audience in general didn't know how to react to. I remember going with my roommate to the theater to see it and we laughed our asses off, right? Uh, because it's it's got the Sam stuff, you know? It's got uh, whatever piece of something boiling out of a face and spewing for four seconds into someone's mouth or something ridiculous. It's got another full buffet of Sam... <laughs> the Sam cinema experience of too much, too loud, uh, too gruesome. And I just think it's it's a fun one that... I think it needs eyes on it again now that we've had, what, probably 10 years or 11 years away from it. Um, I think I think it deserves some more looks. It was it was a good time. Did you guys catch that one? No, no. Wow. OK, I, I recommend it. Uh, I recommend it maybe after watching Evil Dead sometime. But uh, Drag Me to Hell is a good watch. I'll, I will throw that out there. Uh, All right. The, I, I think it's interesting. I think the second biggest star out of this movie is the car. Did anybody yep. else have a more uh, prestigious career in between Bruce and the car out of this movie? Besides the crew, um, just out of the uh, principal actors. <laughs> well, uh, probably not. <laughs> but hey, uh, to go back to what you're saying about drag me to hell maybe not being well received is because that is the follow-up to spider-man 3 which was not well received and so it might have had that stink still on him from you know every what a bunch i mean i enjoy spider-man 3 there's parts of it that you cut out but i think that you know going from number two to number three and then drag me to hell being the follow-up that might be a a stickler for some people there's definitely a good movie in there not to get too into spider-man 3 there's a good movie in there but you could tell it was something where maybe if, you know, you can't tell a studio to wait for billions of dollars, but if they could have worked something out where Sam could have done his own thing for a two-year period and come back to it, he would have been refreshed or something, but he was kind of pushed back to it and forced to use too many to- toys, and that's what we got. So it's okay. Eventually we got to MCU things and stuff worked out again, but I mean, Spider-Man two is still at the top of my superhero movies in the top three or whatever, probably. And so it was too bad that we got what we got there, but there was really good stuff in it still. So yeah, drag me to hell, you know, I think is a palate cleanser for him. Um, And it's always interesting to see how he balances being a director who gets studio projects and still having a mind that gives us things like this. And I'm really, really over the top excited uh, to see what he does now that he's been given the Doctor Strange movie. 
I was a little concerned at first because he was getting a project that someone else had left and I didn't think he'd have a lot of time to work on it. Uh, but the world as it is built in some extra time to work on it. And they're going to give Sam Remy a multiverse of options to work with. Jesus. And there's rumors of multiple Spider-Men. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff flying around it. And I think I, expectations will be extremely high for me, but I think we're going to get a truly unique uh, superhero movie experience uh, out of that. So well, not, not to get too far off the beaten path with that, but yeah. I am incredibly excited to see what planning time, uh, a project, you know, they've shown to give more uh, leeway to their creatives that they trust and something like a Doctor Strange. If you ever looked at a Doctor Strange comic from the 70s, they were an acid trip. You know, it was just, it, you can do some really amazing stuff and I'm excited. Yeah. Brian, your icon on when we meet here is Doctor Strange. Any thoughts on, on that coming up? Oh, well, uh, I recall, you know, we got Sam Raimi doing this movie now. I didn't, I was not aware of that. But I remember when the initial announcement of uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse movie was announced, there was a lot of talk that they wanted it to be more on the horror end of things. Yes. And now that you say all that together, I'm I'm also pretty interested yeah, I to see what is done. About it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I believe we're here to the period we like to call Brian's Sweet Treats. Brian, mm -hmm. do you have a sweet treat, some little rewarding nugget that if you're watching or something missed, how do we, what's our 10 second definition? Well, it's um, if you're paying attention to what things are said or maybe even something written somewhere, um, you, you get to learn some things that if you put it together in your head, uh, you didn't quite. No, and in this sweet treat, I initially thought the sweet treat was a little weak, but then I found a sweeter treat inside. And they, assuming, based on the Michigan shirt that one of the ladies is wearing, are from Michigan, and they drive into northeastern Tennessee in the mountainous area, and they and they cross the lake, but I didn't get too into where they possibly may have crossed or how they got down there until I was like, wait a minute. Another horror favorite is in the same area of the country. How close did they go by Springwood, Ohio? And they would have driven probably very close to it or near it. So there was potential for a little bit of maybe stirring because we, we know now that uh, Ash is quite a special guy, uh, destiny-wise, powers of the universe-wise. And maybe he's partly responsible because he's responsible for a lot of bad shit that happens in his life. Let's not, let's not beat around the bush there. Uh, he may have been responsible. Maybe his, his local supernatural juice may have stirred Freddy Krueger into life by passing by school. Wow. Zach, I think that would cl hit close uh, to home for one of your favorites here. What do you think about that? 
I really enjoy that theory, and especially <laughs> now. I mean, since since this came out and there was written the Ash, Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash comics, and so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, the deal is, is um, he would have like he would have woke him up because the first Freddy movie is nineteen eighty four. Yep. Yes. This is eighty one. So he w- he could have been partially responsible just from his aura or whatnot. Maybe his return trip <laughs> by passing by gave Freddy enough juice to break the walls of reality. That's outstanding. Uh, And also another note, it probably would have taken the kids in Freddy versus Jason three or four hours to drive to Camp Crystal Lake, which is supposed (laughs) to be in New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) So here's some uh, fun little things that I found with this that I don't know if everybody knows. So... This, to me, actually, Evil Dead is, to me, a remake on itself. So Evil Dead 2 is a remake of Evil Dead, you know, reboot, whatever you want to call it. But Evil Dead, I believe, is uh, a remake of Within the Woods, which came out in 78, and it's a 31-minute short starring, you know, Bruce Campbell and Ellen Sandweiss, and Ellen Sandweiss plays Cheryl in this. And another little thing that I liked about this is Cheryl comes back in Ash versus Evil Dead, and it's the same actress, and I think that's just fantastic. That's awesome. She's not alive. Yeah, yeah, she's kind of... That's good. She's a zombie there, too. (laughs) (laughs) So, one more question I have for you all on this. If you don't know anything past, like, you only know the Evil Dead, right, the first one, do you think Ash dies at the end? Yes. Me too. Uh, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt that with the sun up, maybe he has an upper hand on whatever's coming at him. Um, there certainly is the chance that he's at a point where he would give up or just be overtaken. Uh, I, We don't know what the form of his destructor is there, right? So... Uh, I, I think in typical fashion of how stuff had worked there, he might've been knocked down, but another battle to be had. So I don't think he was getting away, but maybe he didn't die those next 10 minutes. That's how I interpret it. Well, maybe it didn't kill him. Maybe it just hitched a ride and stopped off in Springwood, Ohio. (laughs) 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 I like it. I, so, I, I'm telling you, that's that's canon now for me. Yeah, it is. Hey, so, it's head canon. Yep. That's your head canon. So you talk about the car and uh, how iconic the car is, and it's in everything else. But I, do you guys remember in the remake of Evil Dead, the car is at the cabin that they come to? Like already? Yeah, it's already there. They don't bring it there. The kids and people that are uh, in this. The remake don't take the car there. It's just abandoned there. So that kind of makes me feel like if they're remaking the original Evil Dead, that Ash died there, and that's why the car is still there. Sure. No, that that makes sense, and that would be a good thing to do. I I watched the remake once. It was fine. Um, I'll probably watch it again sometime and see how it changed for me. Um, You know, with the exception of the cameo groovy at the end of the movie. (laughs) Right. But, you know. Well, so... Uh, we're going to try to get back on track with the every week and, uh, we're doing a good job here after our little aberration the other week, next week, if you're wanting to watch ahead, 
if you're one of our dozens of listeners at the time, we're going to be watching the 1985 movie House. It is on Amazon Prime if you'd like to check it out. It will be a first-time watch for me. You guys have both seen it, right? Yeah. I've been looking for a good excuse to check this out. I've heard heard great things. So I like it. Yeah. Uh, so check out House. Uh, also, find us on Twitter, at LostRemotePod. Shoot us an email at, lo- or not at, LostRemotePod at gmail.com. Of course, uh, if you're going to check out our podcast again, give us a subscribe. I don't know if there's where the likey things are. Shoot us a note. Let us know what we can change, do, what you like, things like that. We're uh, working on getting better every week as we're getting set up here. Uh, Zach, anything else to add? Uh, no, not really. You covered it all, guys. Uh, just go out and enjoy the horror or other old movies you're watching. And uh, if there's something you want to ask us about anything we've done, you know, if you want our opinion about any movie that we haven't done, just shoot us shoot us some a line and we'll respond to you and we may address you here. We may address you just back on whatever social media you, you send to us. Yeah. And you can see this movie on net or evil dead on Netflix, right? Yes. Evil dead is currently available on Netflix. <laughs> if you made it this far and you haven't seen it, I guess. So, uh, Brian, take us home. Yeah. Um, rankings. Oh, sorry. Yeah. We forgot right. our own stuff. Uh, Brian threw the hand speaking in the chat. Of, yeah, I did. I was like, rankings. That's funny. Uh, speaking of improving. Let's talk rankings at the Lost Remote Podcast. We, of course, like to establish what is the greatest movie of all time. Currently, for Brian, greatest movie of all time, Poltergeist. Followed by Hellraiser, followed by The Blob. Same for Zach. And for myself, it is The Blob, Poltergeist, Hellraiser. So the question is, where does Evil Dead fit for you? Brian, I know you were a little more negative on Evil Dead. Is Evil Dead better than The Blob for you? Yeah, I believe it's Poltergeist, Blob, Hellraiser currently. It should be. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did it. My bad. Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Okay, just number three. Well, I, I do have a placement. I'm afraid I have to place Evil Dead below Hellraiser. Okay. So Your it is, opinion is garbage. Thank you very much. <laughs> Zach, where does so, Evil Dead rank for you? Evil Dead, and I know we should just do it by this movie, but this is one of my favorite series of movies. Uh, one of my favorite storylines, everything. I love the Evil Dead stuff. And so Evil Dead is actually going to overtake Poltergeist for me. Ooh. I will watch Evil Dead more than I will watch Poltergeist. Nice. So. We're beginning to deviate. Blob, Blob is our biggest. Yeah. So that's where we're going to have to figure out some fractional points at some level. Because I had Blob ahead of Poltergeist. Uh, so there will be some re-ranking we're going to have to look at as I <laughs> apply our eternal <laughs> which is better system. Uh, for me, I would watch Evil Dead again over Poltergeist. Um, I, I, as we keep going into more stuff, Poltergeist was good. It was fun. You know, it's got a interesting family stuff. It's very well done, but 
it just never it didn't resonate with me and maybe it's because i didn't watch it as a kid or whatever uh maybe i need to watch it again so i'll go blob evil dead poltergeist hellraiser um and i think you're gonna see more wiggle from me in that blob evil dead range as we move on uh, so i don't quite know how to i think that means if two move if evil dead is twice ahead of poltergeist i think it, poltergeist it on how that... is still our greatest because you yeah. have a number one two and three whereas on evil dead you have a one two and four oopsie because yeah. Brian's opinion Bob, on you have dead a is one, garbage. Two, Blob, you have one, two, and three. Uh, no, we should have Blob as... Uh, oh, yeah, it's still your number one. It's Brian's number two, and it's my the number Blob three. Blob and Poltergeist are tied for the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> That's great. It's like college football <laughs> rankings. Uh, as one wins against the other, uh, there will be some things. So we'll, we'll apply... A, We'll apply some non-mathematical system to it. I can't wait. (laughs) I'm sure it won't lead to any. About putting Evil Dead at the bottom of my list. Hey, the list is rolling. It won't stay there forever, folks. Yeah, I I don't, I don't almost, you know, I I get it. There's there's a lot of stuff I like shot-wise and effect-wise. And it's just it's one I would go back to before I would go back to poltergeist and Hellraiser. So I'm going to go with the go back to method when I'm looking at it today. Um, Even though poltergeist is a better movie overall, probably Um, to me, I'd rather watch evil dead over it. So. Yeah. And I watch evil dead multiple times a year. So. And I love poltergeist. Poltergeist. Yes. Okay. Apparently that's, uh, we've established a tie for the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, we'll see where House ranks on that next. Brian. All right, take, folks. Take us home. You're alone in the cabin. You find uh, an academic's recorded notes, and he's talking about a book of demon possession and the means of summoning said demons. It's okay to listen. It is okay to listen. But when he starts chanting, in a language you don't understand. Perhaps it's time to put the recorder away. Maybe. Just think about it. Just pause it, discuss it. If you want to hit play, that's your own risk. But don't screw me over. Don't listen to it alone in your room. That's cheating. It, it's just, as we can see, it may not work out the best. So be safe. 